Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, as part of our EHS Leadership Week activities, I talked to the experts of the Safety Justice League, Abby Ferry, Jason Lucas, and Jason Maldonado, about what safety leaders need to focus on. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by the Safety Justice League, a group of self-proclaimed safety nerds. Uh, welcome to Abby Ferry, Jason Lucas, and Jason Maldonado, and we're going to talk about leadership and safety. So welcome, uh, Safety Justice League. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jay. Yeah, well, no, we're happy to be back. It's fun. Um, yeah, welcome back. Uh, I guess the last time you were here, it was under the, uh, the previous host, but uh, glad, to, uh, glad to meet you guys. And I was wondering, uh, even though you've done this before on the program, if you could just uh, talk a little bit about yourselves and uh, and what the Safety Justice League is all about. So let's start with Abby, I guess. Oh, no pressure, no pressure. No. So about myself and about Safety Justice League. Um, all right. So <laughs> I feel like we've been podcasting forever now, but I think it's been, it's almost two years. So Safety Justice League is a collective of the three of us. And we just felt that some things weren't being said or discussed within the safety professional field. And so I think we do a good job of discussing those things and bringing on valuable guests that can help safety professionals do their work better. Excellent. Uh, Jason Lucas. Yeah, uh, well, I'm Jason Lucas. I have been in safety for just a little bit. I'm, I'm still kind of getting a feel for for what safety is all about. Um, <laughs> that's that's obviously a joke. That's obviously a joke. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to echo some of the things that Abby said. You know, Safety Justice League, Safety Justice League is all about giving a voice to the voiceless. There's, you know, we're, there's a, a partnership between us as the podcasters and the audience that uh, is, it, it, it is uh, well acknowledged in, in private conversation, but also well acknowledged in public conversation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, our focus this year really is a lot about what we're talking about now, which is leadership and how do we use um the the episodes that we put together so far how have we learned from them and how can we grow from them excellent jason maldonado yeah so i'm i i, I hate that we're gonna let abby get off scot-free without saying anything about herself so <laughs> cool. i'm just i'm just gonna do it for her um <laughs> that's never a good idea no uh, i'm jason maldonado i'm i've been in safety for uh, going on 18 years now um, and I'm the baby of the group, so take that for what it's worth. Uh, you know, the the origin of Safety Justice League was it was a dark and stormy October, right? No, it was uh, it was Jason Lucas's brainchild, and as we were, you know, all sort of doing our own thing on various social media platforms and trying to get a, a safety message out. You know, I was primarily writing. Abby does all kinds of speaking and lobbying and talking and TEDx and everything else that that anybody under the sun could do. And she knows everybody in the world, just so you know that. And then Jason, um, you know, and like he said, he's he's seen a crane once or twice uh, in his career. Uh, <laughs> So uh, it was actually Jason's idea as we were doing these things online, um, starting to get some some visibility to him, and he he DM'd as Abby and I and said, "Hey, you know, nobody's nobody's collaborating, nobody's really in it for anything other than themselves. You guys want to do something?" And 
so he came up with the idea of uh, mimicking another influencer on on social media and and doing basic safety stuff to which abby uh, immediately uh, acronym checked and alerted us to the fact that there's already enough bs in safety <laughs> and uh, we needed to do something we needed to do something better and more interesting and so actually what started it uh just kind of a funny story was that we, we did these little videos where we would respond to questions that people had asked us either throughout our careers or online or whatever the case may be and we would all individually respond to them and the reception was just great on these videos and one of the very first comments in it uh in the thread of one of them was wow you guys are great on your own but together you like the justice league of safety so jokingly nice. <laughs> jokingly i made that uh, our group chat name and it stuck but uh we are no superheroes by any means we we're just out there like the other two said to, to get some good ideas out on the table and get people talking and realizing that you know you're not a lone wolf out there in safety and just because you don't have 30 years of experience or a doctorate or a uh whatever card that or acronym or numbers or anything behind your name you still have some input and and there's still a lot of resources that are untapped out there so that's what we're trying to do and it's a catchy name so well so we hear yeah yeah we're not sick of it yet so it can stay <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's even if, even if we drop it down to SJL every once in a while and just private conversations, I don't think we're sick of it. Well, that's good. So, wanted to talk to you guys about leadership. As I mentioned, you know, we're, this is going to air as part of um, our uh, EHS Daily Advisors Leadership Week activities. Um, and I wanted to start off by asking you, what do you see as the biggest challenges for safety leaders today? I think it's something that has been a theme throughout, I know for my career for sure, and I think the guys too, since we've talked about it a lot, is being able to lead without having direct authority over the people that we are working with. So if we're trying to get safety messages down to the frontline worker or tradesperson, we are not their direct supervisor. So it makes things a little bit difficult. And so I think, more instead of just leadership i think people have to focus on influence too and we've been getting into a lot of those themes on different podcast episodes lately for, for me and i was thinking about this this morning i think we're sort of a uh, a conflict of interest a lot of times in an organization and if you think about it in in those terms it, it pretty much everything i say is safe safety heresy so take it for what it's worth but if you if you look at us as as sort of a conflict of interest in this sense where we have a duty to protect the company keep them in compliance keep them out of legal jeopardy but we also have a, a duty to help human beings those are not usually or those are not always going to have direct correlations with each other <laughs> right because the needs of a, of a human is totally the different different thing than the needs of a corporation who doesn't want to be sued or fined or <laughs> right you name it right so there's there's a balance that we're not particularly good at and when when you couple that with the fact that most safety professionals don't have a business background we go into a meeting so we're, we're already on this unlevel playing field so we go into a meeting we'll, we'll say with our, our crew of workers and we're not quite a worker anymore right maybe we have some some experience or some some time in the trades or whatever but we're not that anymore or then we go into a boardroom and we go meet with leaders and we're not really that either right and i think that the mistake that we make a lot of times as safety professionals is assuming that everybody else holds in the same regard uh the importance of what we do 
uh, as we do, right? So that we assume that everybody else thinks about safety like we do, and that's just not the case. So we need to figure out how those different areas of an organization are thinking and then take the message to them in a way that makes sense and makes them want to do it. You know, Jay, for me, I, I think one of the biggest hurdles that we face as safety leaders is overcoming the sins of our predecessors. Um, I heard a great quote the other day that said that rules without relationship equals rebellion or creates rebellion. And if we, if our predecessors didn't take that time to build that relationship, um, immediately any, anywhere you go into, into work, you're going to be viewed as a safety cop if that's what they were before right. you. So if you're not taking any time to build that relationship, no matter what rules you're trying to push, you're going to get rebellion back. But once you build a relationship, you can set boundaries instead of rules, and those are a little bit easier to follow. Yeah, it makes sense. So, uh, you know, a big part of, you know, that we're hearing a lot of, you know, kind of building workplace safety is safety culture. And um, how should leaders kind of assess and improve safety culture? I know it's a big question, but we'll try to boil it down for us a little bit. Okay, I, I don't want to jump in with the hate right away, but I really hate the term safety culture <laughs> because your culture is just like, it's just what it is. You know, it's just like when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, diversity is just what you have. It's just all the people. Right. And so culture at, at <clears throat> excuse me, at an organization is really just a, it's a byproduct of what's been put into the organization as far as safety. So I think when people are talking about safety culture, they're often on a slightly parallel or not the same path as what I and and the Jasons and I would consider safety culture or how to look at what, what makes a safety culture and then how to change that safety culture. It's about changing the inputs, not so much um, the, the soft psychological types of things. Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. And then for me, it's communication. You know, and, and it doesn't matter the topic. It could be, uh, you know, I'll give you an example uh, what Abby's talking about with culture being culture. Uh, I worked at a facility where they had a, a really confusing policy for attendance. It was very uh, punitive. It was very threatening, um, just kind of a hostile uh, sort of thing. But And I'm, I'm going to ramble for a second here, but they, the excuse for this policy was, well, it was developed by the hourly workers, so everybody must be okay with it. Right. Anyway, uh, we had a, a natural disaster. We had a tornado in the in the area, and it actually uh, wiped out two people's homes. Right. Uh, so the question became: Should we give? A, should we grant an excused absence to these two people who who uh, lost their homes, or should we give them attendance points for not coming into work? And I couldn't even believe the question was being asked. But <laughs> we sat around the table. We sat around the table as management group and. And I was like, look, if, if you if you do this, if you tell them that they're going to get a point for losing their home because they didn't make it to work during the tornado, then what you're actually telling them is that we don't care about your safety at all. We want you to drive through all the inclement weather just to get to work and make the stuff we make. Um, beyond that, it's just bad. Uh, everybody in the group, uh, minus two, the HR professional and the, the plant manager, said, no, we should totally forgive this. It's an act of God. You know, it's not a, it's not a thing. Well, the, the plant manager and the HR person said, no, the policy says <laughs> points for everything. It's, it's a, it's a no fault policy, right? 
and that little tiny thing with only two people involved trashed the entire culture of the entire plant. There was not a subject about anything, about work, about HR, about legal, about safety, about quality. There wasn't anything where the employees thought that their best interest was at heart. So I think as leaders, that's where you need to go. And that's what Jason was saying about relationships. Like if you can't connect those dots in your head and see that, you know, what seems like a tiny little decision is going to have huge fallout, then you're probably not a good leader in the first place. But those are the things that we do all the time without even thinking about what, what's going on. And it's not just safety, it's everything. So leadership is leadership. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually just very simply put this, Jay, and it's really easy. I agree with Abby. I think that there's not really a way to define the the term safety culture. I think you you you're you can you can define the term culture as a whole, but when you throw the word safety in front of it, it, it just mixes everything up because it's gonna be different for each person. So I just I, I'm gonna nix that name too. No, no, no use of safety culture. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that approach would force the organization to integrate safety into their processes better, right? Like Jason Maldonado said, leadership is leadership. It's not safety leadership. It's how you are using your leadership skills to influence safety. It's not safety culture. It's what is the culture or what is the community that plays out based on the overall company culture. And so the concept of culture and community is something that um, Ted Smith from Corvax has talked about on um, our podcast and also on something else we recorded as well. And it really helped me to understand how there could be an overall company culture that could exist whether I'm there or not. But then the community is how that individual work site or warehouse or job site is playing out the the overall culture and sometimes it's completely different and that's okay all right um well you know speaking of sort of safety and and you know sort of the meaning of it and and sort of the impact of it on a company obviously we, we've been through some crazy stuff over the last two years uh we're still in it with this pandemic although it seems and i'm using air quotes here uh, that it's that we're there's light at the end of the tunnel, but uh, you know definitely safety has become top of mind for most people uh, over the last few years. What are some good ways for safety leaders to capitalize on that momentum to improve worker safety? Be real uh, about your your limitations. Uh, I think I think it has brought some really good things to light, but it's also created this sort of monster where safety thinks that. Some, some safety thinks that it can do anything. Uh, we're not epidemiologists, we're not doctors, we're not you know, any of those things. But I think the, the, the biggest opportunity we have here, and I'll bring it back to like the beginning of 2020 when the pandemic hit, um, just as, as the organization that I was with was starting to wear masks and stuff like that, uh, didn't really know what we're dealing with. And this younger worker came up to me, 18, 19 years old, and you know, he's from another country too, so he was, um, you know, away from his family and just, he had a lot of stress going on in his life. And he goes, Jason, I, I'm really scared about, about this virus. Uh, what do I do? And I'm like, well, educate yourself. I don't know much either at this point, um, but you're going to be okay. Like, let's, let's go find some answers together. You know, let's, let's go figure out what the best thing is. I'll, I'll help you, you help me and we'll learn together. 
And I think that right now, more than any time ever, we've got the opportunity to go, and especially as we get this sort of like uh, just exhaustion from, you know, mask exhaustion and all this other stuff, we can definitely use this as an opportunity to make ourselves a, a better resource for people and a better, uh, you know, somebody that they want to reach out to. Yeah, I, I I agree completely with what Jason Maldonado was saying. It is it is about the relationship, and and you know I I'm, I'll probably show my age a little bit here, but there used to be these commercials that were that were about be like Mike, and it was be like Michael Jordan, yep. and there was this little song that played that was like anything you can do, I can do better, and it was just like this big competition, and and it just seems like there's a lot of safety professionals out there right now that want to be an all uh, encompassing, uh, I know it all about everything. And, and I think that we need to be a little bit more cautious in what we don't know, just like Jason was saying, you know, the, one of the main things, one of the, one of the superpowers of a good safety professional is to be able to say, I don't know. And, but also I'm going to find out for you. And then the side superpower of that is to know where to look or know who to ask. That's why having the, having built in communities with you don't other just safety ignore it until they forget they asked. Like that's what I do. <laughs> no, no, you can't do that. Do that. <laughs> but you know, it is, it, 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 you know, that's the importance of community though. I, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I've got the safety justice league that I talk to every day. So I can, if I've ever got a safety question, I can just send a quick text message and normally I'm going to get a quick answer. Uh, but building that community is, is going to be a really big part of how we can, we can capitalize on, on the momentum so that in the future, when we have a question, we have people we can ask. I like that. I, it's something I've been doing in my my personal professional life, which is standing back, but recommending others from my network to do something, even if it's something I can do. I think that there's strength in showing that you have a, a well-connected network to people that are experts in certain things. So I agree for sure with what the guys are saying and that superpower of knowing when to stay in your lane. We just talked about that too. So there's some good content on the podcast if you want to go further. The last thing that I'll say is that I think at this point too, like you said, there's there's a little bit of hopefully light at the end of the tunnel. I'm knocking on all the wood in my office, but uh, I I think that we need to get people back in the habit of realizing that there's still other stuff that we got to deal with. So yeah, COVID is important, but and it has been for the last two years, but we still have all the other things that that are important. So don't let them slide. Well, that's a good point. Now, what are some of those things that maybe have have slid a bit, you know, while we've been focusing on COVID? Training. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. communication yeah. on things other than COVID, for sure. I mean, I, I was dealing with clients last year that were a year past some training because they decided to just skip it because they couldn't get people together. And then they just kind of skipped it again. And now we're on year two of oh, we just skipped a super important training and now what do we do? Because in the actions, they've showed employees that this doesn't matter. And right, so it's yeah. gonna be even tougher to get them convened to do some kind of training or instruction, hands-on, whatever it is, because they're not able to, to show in their actions that this thing is important. Yeah, the, the other one I've seen really bad, you know, annual physicals, audiometric tests, a respirator fit tests, um, 
all that stuff has, has sort of slid a little bit outside of the sphere of importance and they're still important. Um, we've still put, got people going into hazardous areas. They still need their protection. They still need their equipment calibrated, um, you know, all that stuff. But I know a lot of organizations have been like, ah, well, we'll just wait. And here we are two years later and we're still waiting. That's not necessarily a good thing, so. I agree. <laughs> I was going to ask you guys, what about uh, like relationship building and relationship maintenance? Because there's, you know, whether you're working remote or you're hybrid and your time spent in the field is likely different, if not less. And you are communicating more high impact stuff instead of just like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know, and, and building those relationships that we've talked about. And so I'm wondering if maybe instead of, or in addition to focusing on making sure your compliance and all that comes up, but what about just those day-to-day -day interactions that may have been missed over the past couple of years? Yeah, I mean, true story. Like I, there's people in my organization that I've still to this day never met in person, Yeah, yeah. you know, and we, we know that you and I, I, Abby, we know that well, you know, we didn't meet for a long time. Uh, but you, I think you have to cultivate some different different methods. You know, does your company use uh, an internal messaging app? Does it use a, a broadcasting feature where you could put stuff up on like a, a board and send messages to your crew? Or, you know, there's there's a lot of things that we're not doing or that that, that we've started doing during a pandemic that we can definitely hone in and get better at. Uh, and and really start forming not, maybe not the same kind of connections, but at least some in place of what we used to have. Yeah, I, I think that you in a, in you know as one of the takeaways from not, not being able to have that that in person connection <coughs> is you're actually able to to think outside the box a little bit. So maybe maybe now you're doing video safety messaging. Or maybe now you're 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 increasing the amount of time you're actually spending with your team nationwide because you're doing it on on a uh, a go to meeting or a Teams meeting or a Zoom or whichever one it is that 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 your company uses. But I think you can I think you have to focus in on the importance of that relationship a little bit, even if you're not able to meet in person. Um, hopefully like as we said that light at the end of the tunnel that that'll that'll be relieved a little bit but you know then we got catch up time just like everybody's been talking about we have to catch up on all the stuff that we haven't been able to do during this process because maybe we weren't able to meet in person or maybe we weren't able to meet in large groups and just start slowly phasing that stuff back in um Another challenge that seems to be popping up um, for leaders these days is the generation gap between your sort of older workers, you know, your baby boomers, your Gen X folks, then your younger workers who are <laughs> millennials, <laughs> millennials or Gen Zs. Um, what are some of the biggest differences you've seen between the generations, and how can we sort of bridge that that gap? Well, I'm gonna I'm just gonna start off by saying anybody who's listening to this, go back to an episode that we had with Safety Justice League, where we had the opportunity to interview Jade Vincent, who is a, a Gen Z influencer. And her her big thing right now is teaching people how to market to her generation. And some of the things that she mentioned was that there's just a big difference in the way that that we communicate as as a, a Gen, uh, Gen Xer, 
and a Gen Zer. They're, it, they want it to be short. They want it to be sweet. They want it to be succinct. They want it to be, you know, get it accomplished and, and they don't want to waste time on it. So, you know, our training has to change a little bit in that because we have to learn how to train to multiple generations that don't look at things the same way. And maybe that training gets done in new, new ways of doing it instead of just standing up and, and reading the OSHA regulations. Which I think everyone would appreciate, right? No matter what generation you <laughs> yeah, are. Exactly. Isn't it nice I mean, to have something short, sweet, well-planned, interactive, get the information you need and, and go. I think, yes, we have a big mashup of generations. I've, I've, got a, I've got a section of, of 1910 and 269 that I could read. It's right open to a really interesting page. Um, Ugh, I don't know about that. <laughs> But I think Sorry, we need to just look at these different generations and yes, you know, honor that there are some preferences that seem to be specific to different age groups, but also realize that a boomer might communicate like a Gen Z at this point because of, mm -hmm. you know, how they socialize or just their comfort level with tech and that uh, a millennial may be like making their own, I don't know, like getting very artisanal with things and are shying away from technology so you just never know what you're gonna have you can't assume that's that's very true i have a lot of friends that are like i don't want to be around all these computers i'm just tired of it and i need to go rub my participation trophy anyway uh <laughs> I, I one thing that i'm seeing in, working in, in the tech industry um there definitely is a younger uh, age demographic for the like it's it's totally flipped from the rest of the industries that I've ever worked in. Most of most of the people are younger, very very few uh, on the the older side, and then a few of us that are kind of in the middle, uh, which is just interesting. It's a weird dynamic. It's very fast. It's very do it yourself. It's uh, but the danger is that there's a whole lot of loose ends. Everybody wants to create and do and make the biggest, newest, baddest thing. And that means that there's a lot of great ideas out there, but that also means there's a lot of trash that gets kind of thrown on the sides. And unfortunately, it just kind of hangs out there in you know this database or that database or this program and that program, and it never really gets fully fleshed out. The danger there is if people are like, hey, I need a resource. There's this thing over here that was created two years ago. I'll just use that. Um, so there, there's definitely a danger in in the fast pace, and I think we need to remember that as we as we're going and building and creating and trying to do the next newest, greatest, latest thing. Make sure you get the basics in order too. Yeah, is there? I mean, I guess this sort of uh, goes into my next question about workforce retention. But you know, it, it does seem like younger workers, you know, don't want to stick around at a company for you know an entire career or even you know five years. They're they're kind of you know, looking at a job, you know, and then kind of looking for the next the next job, you know, a year or two years later, uh, and that poses challenges, I would think, for training uh, and, and that whole institutional knowledge thing. Because if you know, if you've got people who, you know, haven't been around for very long, then who who's you know who knows what's going on, you know? So what what are some ways to address that? Well, I'm going to just say straight up that gone are the days of working to get your gold watch at retirement. Right. Um, it, it's just it's it's just not the same as it was before. Um, I, I think one of the best ways to retain your employees is uh, assure they know that they're they're valued. 
you know, if you don't, if you don't feel valued, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot, there's a lot to be said for more money. There's a lot to be said for better titles and promotions and switching from company to company to get there. But there's a, a whole lot more, in my opinion, that, that can be said about feeling valued, feeling respected, feeling like your opinion matters. And from a safety side, we, we talked a lot about this in the very beginning when we were talking about big challenges for safety leaders is it, it, you're probably going to see safety leaders changing companies quicker because they don't feel as valued. And especially when the younger younger age folks are coming into the into the industry and and they're seeing that this company over here is gonna gonna you know the grass is always greener on the other side although we know most of the time why that is and what's being put on it to make it greener but uh, you know I, I think I think that that you know loyalty only lasts as long as you feel valued if you don't feel valued I mean you're gonna you're gonna find a place that you think that you're going to go that that you will feel valued. And it's a job seekers market. I mean, if if something isn't working out and you identify it quickly, no matter what age you are, um, there's another job out there and there's other companies out yeah. there and companies are starting to put their salary ranges on posts. And so people can automatically know, like, is this a, an appropriate job posting for me to apply to? So I think money is always a big part of it in retaining people you know, being fair and competitive in how people are compensated for the work that they're doing. And there's been a lot of um, information out there recently from NIOSH and Total Worker Health Initiatives and ASSP has put some content out about this too, about how safety and safety um, processes and how safety is carried out at an organization is a way to retain people. So it's kind of two things, right? How are we retaining the safety people, but how are we using safety to retain every type of worker that we have at our, at our organizations? Yeah, I, I'll just kind of piggyback on that because I think a lot of times the money is the initial draw. I, I think once you get to the organization, you know, then the problem a lot of companies and a lot of bigger companies that I've worked for have is they think that if they keep throwing more money, that will keep making you happy. Well, that's the initial step, but it's it's really about making sure that that those voices are heard. You know, it, it's always a bad sign, and I've heard it at a few organizations. It's always a bad sign when somebody outside of the safety organization comes up and they're like, "Hey, uh, you know, back at my old plant or site or whatever, uh, we we were doing this, and I know these are required by OSHA or NFPA or whoever. Uh, why don't we do that here?" You know, and then you get people asking that that have a little bit of knowledge, you know, that you can't sh put the shroud over their eyes forever. They're going to start realizing in the t what the organization actually values. And, and a lot of times it's not really safety, even though we say it is. Yeah, and Abby, you mentioned total worker health and, you know, uh, obviously, uh, I think more people nowadays are looking at the full picture of you know, they're not just focused on the job duties, but they want to see, you know, you know, what's the full picture? You know, am I going to be happy at this company? Is this, you know, what's this going to do to my life? So how do you, uh, you know, how can companies sort of best achieve that, uh, you know, for employees and, you know, and I guess, you know, help, help keep people, you know, sticking around a little longer. 
I think the best is to have specific policies that a leader can look at and make sure that they execute. So what I mean by that is I've been at organizations where there's, you know, one manager is great about work-life balance, but another manager is following what the current company policy is. And so if you have a bunch of managers that are, you know, air quote, great, well, what's so great? And should that be a policy that's for everybody instead of just you're lucky if you get that good manager that actually understands work-life balance, that that's a big key. I just, I think policies are, are key, you know, having sick days and like Jason Maldonado was talking about the, the people that lost their homes. I mean, come on, you know, policy. Yeah. yeah, like having like a, a no questions asked, everything suddenly fell apart and I cannot make it to work today. <laughs> and that's going to have to be okay with the company. So uh, stuff like that. And then also, you know, the, the little things about insurance benefits offerings and, um, you know, different types of psychological safety types of offerings related to maybe therapy, counseling, enhanced medical benefits. Uh, different policies around vacation that makes sense, flexible working arrangements, things like that. I mean, if there's anything we've learned in the past couple of years is that a lot of work can be done asynchronously and also remote. So why not just do that and support the workers in a way that they can do their best work even wherever it is, wherever they're able to work. Uh, and that, for me, I, I agree with the policy thing. That's your foundation. Uh, once you get that, it's all about communication. And I'll give you a perfect example. It just happened a, a couple of days ago. I was reviewing an incident that happened on the East Coast, uh, one of my sites, and an employee had slipped. There wasn't a big injury. They banged up their elbow, you know, first aid, no big deal. But as we're going through this, everybody's like, well, what could we have done better? And, you know, it's ice, it's slippery. It's one of those perpetual challenges you're going to have every every winter. Uh, well, the discussion came down to, well, we've got those ice cleat thingies that they can wear. It's not required. They can wear them if they want. Like, okay, that's a good recommendation. You know, let's make that the expectation going forward, whatever, whatnot. Well, they went and discussed it with the, the manager of the employee who had fallen and said, hey, you know, and, and whenever you send your people out to do this and it's icy, here, use these ice cleats. And like, what are those? I didn't know we had those. <laughs> right. So this is a this is a manager of one of the facilities and they're they don't even know what the what the offerings are. And it's the same thing with, you know, EAP and, and things like that. I recently went through and, and found out a whole bunch of information about my company and all the things that they offer to employees and nobody else knew this stuff. So it's 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 there. It's it's on us as leaders to go and seek it and find it and then take it to our people. Don't assume they know. Jason, I have a, a tip for the icy surfaces, not only ice cleats and salt and sand and all that, but putting a bench at the entrance so people can switch out of their, their boots this is, and shoes. This is true. And, and, and make sure that the bench is somewhat secured. I've had some pretty gnarly injuries with you know people that, that didn't balance so well. Right. <laughs> okay, so real quick, what is, what is this stuff y'all are talking about? Um, this ice. Hey, you had some of it too. Yeah. It's a little icy in Texas. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Abby, Jason, Jason, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, and sharing your insight with me. This has been great. Thanks for having us, Jay. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we always have a great time. Thanks. That wraps up episode 100 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen on demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. 
You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.